Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 534. I've got my co-host, Stephen Saunders, with me, and we've got a great guest. We've got Jamie Marland of Poodle Press. And Jamie is like me from the UK, so hopefully he won't be too insulted by my sarcastic humour. We never know. Uh, I'm sure he can hand a bit out himself. So, Jamie, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. I'm Jamie from Poodle Press. Uh, We've been going 10 years, based in the UK. Uh, We started off as purely a WordPress training company when I started 10 years ago. Uh, face-to-face training mainly around the country and um, on-site with clients as well. And then over the last sort of five or six years, we've morphed into a training and product business. So we now build plugins and we have a theme for WordPress as well. Um, and if you looked our looked at our business from a revenue point of view, then we are probably 65 70% plug-in revenue and the rest training these days. So we've kind of switched a bit into mm-hmm. a more of a product business over the last 10 years. That's fantastic. And Stephen, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Yeah, Stephen Souter from zipfish.io. We try to make WordPress blazing fast by optimizing the code that's running on your site as well as the server and all the back-end components. That's great. And before we go into the main part of the interview, I just want to talk about one of our major sponsors, that's Kinster Hosting. Kinster has been sponsoring the show now for over three years. Um, They are a specialised WordPress-only hosting company that provide really quality hosting to the top level. Um, They host the WP Tonic website. And if you're looking for a hosting provider for your WooCommerce, for your clients or for yourself, WooCommerce learning management system, Anything that needs some extra resources, um, you should look at Kinsta. Superb infrastructure based on the Google Cloud. Fantastic interface, custom interface, UX design. Easy to use, powerful, and the support is fantastic. If that's interesting, go over to Kinsta. Have a look at some of their packages. I suggest you should buy one. And the main thing, if you do that, is to tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show. So, Jamie, um, so you said um, the foundings of the company were based in training. Can you give a a quick bit of history of how you got into the crazy world of WordPress and how you got in initially into the training area? Um, Yep. So, uh, yeah, okay. So um, I guess 15 years ago I was running a publishing company. Uh, and we were mainly an online publishing company. It wasn't my company. It was a uh, publishing company owned by somebody else. And uh, we had bits of online to that business, but we also had traditional events and magazines, so paper. Remember those things. And as part of that company, we had a .ASP content management system called Ektron, which I believe is still going. And we had a team of developers developing it, mainly using it for... um, for websites. Um, And during that time when I was running that business, I discovered WordPress one weekend 
And I was, I started to sort of unwrap it and get under the hood a bit and realized what I was able to do very quickly with it was taking our very talented development team months and months to do with this .ASP content management system, which was, um, I mean, Ektron was a great system, but it was still commercial. So you had to, you had to pay, I can't remember exactly, but it was probably $10,000 per year per site or something like that for a license. And then I discovered WordPress, which was seemed to be easier and quicker. Um, and this is the early days of WordPress, I guess, really. Um, and I was able to go back and show people stuff much more quickly than we could develop internally. So I sort of started to fall in, in love with WordPress and brought it into that company. And when I left that business about 11 years ago, um, I wanted to do something around WordPress, wasn't exactly sure what around WordPress. Um, and then I s- had the idea that I would do training around WordPress. And initially, I thought I'd do training for corporates because that was my background. I had a corporate background. Um, but one day I decided to just test some Google ads and put out a sort of public course on WordPress. And within about six hours, I started getting bookings for people that wanted to learn to build their own websites with WordPress. So it kind of, it was a big signal that there was a, there was a market and the the guys in that market at the time were charging sort of 500 pounds for a day's training on WordPress. And I went in at 95 pounds. So disrupted the market pretty quickly. Um, and went from there really. And that's what I, that's what I went off and did for about three or four years, traipsing around the country, um, running about three or four courses a week face to face with, you know, 10 to 15 people in a room, mostly beginners from all walks of life, trying to learn how to set up their own websites. So I discovered an untapped market, uh, which is still there, to be honest, if there wasn't a global pandemic, I'd still be, I was, I was still doing this a year ago or six months ago. And there is a big market for people that don't want to learn online. They want that face-to-face hand-holding experience of being taught in a room. And it's a fantastic um, way to understand how people use WordPress to actually stand over their shoulders and see what they're struggling with. And that fed into the product business as well. Oh, really fascinating. Over yeah, so that's, that's, that's how I got into it. All right, over to you, Stephen. Yeah, uh, how did you make the transition from being like more on the consulting side to building out, you know, this whole suite of plugins. Um, like how do you decide to start like transitioning that way? And was that like a very intentional thing or is it something that you just kind of all of a sudden found yourself in? Yeah, we kind of, it'd be nice to say it was intentional, but we, so back then this, we're talking a long time ago, we were, the, the theme market was very new. So we had woo themes in the market and some other guys, but we, we really liked woo themes. Um, who are now WooCommerce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were using a few of their themes. In fact, the first theme I ever used was a theme called Gazette, which was one of their magazine themes. Uh, and then they released a theme called Canvas, which was kind of the first theme. And Canvas was like a black, um, one of the first themes that was very customizable. So it, was, it started off as like a blank canvas, but you could customize stuff. And it, it wasn't done through the customizer. There was no customizer. It was done in the back end and you could set the fonts and you can change the layouts and cool stuff. So we started um, kind of as part of the course, we were teaching that because people, one of the frustrations, well, probably the number one reason why people came on the course or still come on the course is they want to reduce their ongoing costs with agencies. They were being charged for small little changes. Yeah. 
and they want to take control of that stuff themselves. And so as part of that teaching, Canvas gave them the tools to be able to make these changes themselves to a large degree without having to go to agencies and pay lots of lots of money. So we started using Canvas more and more in our training. Coming from the training, I also, I also ran a service called WordPress Express, which is where we, we sat with the client face-to-face, just private, one-on-one, and we build their website with them in a day, which we still do actually. Which again is just a great way to build websites with clients. So they're literally sitting sitting there, and you're building it with them. So it's part training and part building. So we were using Canvas for a lot of these express days, uh, but we, there were some things we wanted to do in Canvas that we couldn't do, and so we started to build our first tiny plugins. In fact, the first one was a thing called Menu Customizer, which just gave you more control over the menu layout, some cute stuff. And, which, which again, people were telling us they wanted to do, but the, the, the product um, canvas didn't do it. So we built a little plugin for that, and that's how we got into it. That that first little plugin that we built went pretty well. It was, I mean, it's a, as, in terms of developing a plugin, it's incredibly nice because we knew there was a demand for it mm-hmm. before we built it. Really, it was a very niche and targeted plugin. We could target the market with it. Um, that's really cool. That like being in like the more, I guess we can call it like consulting, like where you're doing these sessions with people, right? Like you're hearing everybody's frustrations and what they're mad about or like the stuff that they want to do that they can't do. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, like we can build this one little plugin that solves this one problem that you know is a problem. It's not just you sitting in an office being like, oh, I think this is a problem the world has. (laughs) Like like you knew it. And that's like a really cool space to be in that I think a lot of people aren't, right? A lot of people make these assumptions about markets, but because you already had this kind of inbuilt market and this, interface with those people yeah and actually we we built reflecting on it we 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 produced one one piece of content which was called what was it called it was called 65 canvas tips and tips and tricks and it's basically a whole bunch of little css tweaks that we could that over the years people have been asked asking us how you do them so we put this post together and that 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 drew quite a lot of traffic in organic google search to it and we built a mailing list off that um of that just one piece of content really and again when we had products ready that answered those questions yeah. we we had a mailing list and we just mailed them and said do you want this thing that we know you want and they <laughs> kind of bought it so it was and we've kind of repeated that in terms of our content marketing as well that's kind of worked well for us when we've been quite niche in the stuff we've developed that's really cool when do you feel like you made that transition from being like you're saying that most of your revenue now is based in that plugin? So would you consider yourself more of a plugin shop or are you still very much 50, 50? Yeah, we've, we've kind of, in terms of my energies, it's 50, 50. Okay. Because the training feeds into uh, the, the product business for sure. Uh, obviously I can't do any face-to-face training at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of, we've, but at the same time, the, the pandemics made us, made me do more stuff online. So we've, we've over the last six months, we've done some really interesting stuff. Uh, things like, um, so I now do quite a few webinars, free webinars for our customer base. And we have quite a big mailing list. So we do free, free webinars and we can do, we can take really quite specific subjects that people are asking us about and, and, and run free webinars around them. And that just from a marketing point of view, it just enables me to have conversations with people really, which I'm, which I'm missing these days, 
we've done other things like I've done when it first hit, I did some free consultancy days for clients because I knew people were going through a whole heaps of pain. Like they literally saw their businesses jump, you know, fall off a cliff yeah. in a day. So we tried to help people out by that. I ran a WordPress course for kids because they were off school. That was oh, cool. That was really great fun online. And they were, they were super sharp and brilliant. Um, so yeah, we've kind of diversified the training in terms of the, it just it just broadens the stuff we can deliver because everyone's happy to do stuff. Well, has to do stuff online, and we're getting some like for some of these webinars, we're getting like 150 people on them, which is you know it's it's fantastic. So we're getting some good engagement as well. Um, I'm not sure I answered your question, Stephen. Do I? No, yeah, no, you totally did. Um, did I- <laughs> one, well, one thing that I noticed that was like super interesting is you have a very broad range of plugins that you guys have to offer and there there seems to be and i'd love to hear like your take on this like a little bit of attention because you have like a page builder plugin but also mm-hmm. like you have the gutenberg stuff which matt mm-hmm. mullen like awesomely showed an entire like yeah, you saw WordPress yeah, yeah, yeah. community like that like that's huge that's so cool um, i was i was but, there in nashville that was one of the most exciting 10 minutes of my life actually because i kind of i didn't know i didn't know he was going to demo our stuff i had an inkling i really okay. came up so that was really exciting. <laughs> I, I can only imagine what that would feel like to be like sitting in that crowd and seeing that like. Yeah, it was great. Holding that up for everybody. Um, but so like, there's like a little bit of like, you've been, you're kind of in this like page builder space, but also like latching onto what like Gutenberg is doing. And like, yeah. where do you see like. No, I was going to ask him that. You must have read. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fantastic, Stephen. Um, you read my mind. Yeah. So page builder has been out for about four years, five years. So we built that pre, pre Gutenberg, I guess. And we still develop it and still support it. And, and people are very loyal to it, loyal to, loyal to it. They love it. And it's really, it's very, um, people love it. It's, it's kind of pure drag and drop. So it, it really is like you drag stuff around visually. It's a very visually creative tool. Um, but when I first saw Gutenberg starting to emerge and the discussions around it, you know, my, my view has always been, this is where we're heading, you know. So mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to invest early on in Gutenberg plugins, and now all the plugins we develop are Gutenberg based. So we've we've got um, I guess what we've we got we've got three we've got Woo Builder blocks that lets you customize the product page with Gutenberg. We've got storefront blocks which lets you customize. It's it's about eleven premium blocks that you can create a beautiful store. Uh, we're just about to release a new plugin called Woohoo Bar, which lets you add cool notification bars with cool countdown timers, but based on Gutenberg again. So it's very, it's all leveraging this kind of the Gutenberg platform. So we're trying to, I guess what I'm trying to say is we, we are, we're trying to lead our customers towards Gutenberg, but not yeah. just drop, dropping where we've come from. Because not everyone wants to make, not everyone wants to make that journey, as you probably know. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Well, we I think it's time for us to go for our break. 15 minutes has gone quick. When we come back, I'll be asking Jamie about how the experiences, insights he can give for running a successful um, online course or courses. Um, we'll be back in a few moments, folks. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WPTonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WPTonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. 
WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white-label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. We've had a really fantastic initial discussion with Jamie Marshallin with Poodle Press. Um, so, um, before we go into asking Jamie some more questions, I want to, um, point out or, um, our second sponsor, which is, um, Groundhog. Um, if you haven't heard of Groundhog, um, I think you must have been living under a rock. Uh, um, I think it's one of the best CR, native CRM systems that, that has appeared in the WordPress ecosystem. Um, it was sorely um, needed. Um, if you're looking um, to move away from a lot of the very expensive SaaS CRM solutions out there for yourself or for clients, I suggest that you should really have a look at Groundhog because its features um, and what it offers is quite amazing. So go over to Groundhog, have a look. Um, if you decide to buy for yourself or for your clients, the main thing is tell them that you heard about it on the WP Tonic show. So, Jamie, um, so running a successful um, course-based um, element of your business, yeah. um, have you got any insights about um, some of the mistakes you've made on that journey and give some tips to our listeners of yours that might be thinking about starting their journey on a on a on an online course? That's a good question. Um, I think probably probably um, yeah, here's a few. So I think the first one is patience, probably because I've I've seen um, lots of my clients actually have tried to set up. Some successfully, some not successfully. Uh, like online membership sites or online course sites. And I think people expect it to happen overnight. And they spend they spend an awful lot of time over engineering the the website that they're building for people, uh, probably eighty percent and twenty percent on the sort of market piece um and the and the ongoing because this stuff takes time to build trust and build an audience with people before they're willing to sign up in my experience i can only talk about my experience and how what's worked for me um so yeah i mean people generally over engineer and i would say try and test the market in a very very simple way as soon as as soon as possible um the other tip I'd give them is is to try and sort of hone down on the benefits of what they're going to get rather than rather than saying to them they're going to get 20 hours of course material trying to try and trying to tell them that they're actually going to come out the other side you know as a fitter person or a you know they're going to whatever the, the reason they're going to take this thing for in the first place so the old benefits features thing really but you see loads of membership websites where they're not actually stressing that stuff they're stressing you've got to go and watch 20 hours of this is the value you're getting and the value isn't the fact you've got to sit through all this course material the value is what you're 
the difference you're going to be on the other side of it. I, I think you've given some great insights here. It's a bit like as a web designer or developer saying to a client, they they want a website and they want a website because obviously they've got a problem or they you know they want the website to get more sales, you know. Yeah. Or they want a website for something. And it'd be like saying to them, well, this process is going to take over 100 hours. Look at the great value you're going to get. The 100 hours you're going to be spending on this. Well, yeah. they're just they're just going to run away, aren't they, to the hills, aren't they? You know? I think it would be better to say this is what you get in one hour. And, you know, and make you know, that better. You know, if you've only got one hour, make it. This is only takes an hour and you're going to come out being able to, you know, deliver this much revenue. So it's a, it's a real contradiction and I think you're spot on so many people. They think actually, um, I call them war and peace courses, that they, um, it's like got, it's it's made up of four semi-courses and then there's 24 lessons in each course. Yeah. And this is all the value you will get because this is all what we put into it. And yeah. what we, uh, um, it just totally puts off the target audience, normally, doesn't it? <laughs> they should do this with schools as well. They shouldn't say you've got to sit, go down to go to school for seven years to say that you're going to come out with a $50,000 a year salary if you, uh, <laughs> if you actually attend. <laughs> Yeah, so that's 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 an important one. Um, I think as well. Look at different channels. So I've I've kind of um, YouTube is a big opportunity at the moment to start to build trust with people for sure. There's yeah. lots of there's lots of big opportunities around YouTube, uh, and this what we're doing here is a big opportunity as well. So I see a lot of people that are running asset businesses and the, where the asset is them whether they're a life coach or whatever, and they hide themselves, they hide themselves in their marketing, whereas actually they're the reason why somebody's going to sign up in the first place for them. Uh, especially in English, maybe this is more of an English thing where people are very, they, 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 the, the websites look very corporate um, and they, they're hiding the personality of the person behind it. And actually people want to engage with that person. That's, that's how they've managed to get to where they are. And often they'll hide that in their marketing. Over to you, Stephen. Um, one question that I had is, did you do the artwork that is like on the, the page builder or that's behind you on the, your home video, the video on your homepage, that monster, uh, that child? Yeah, so that, that, those, those, I didn't, I didn't, God, no, I mean, that is our artwork. So that those are the big guy, the monster is a guy called Wilson and the small guy, the small, the small um, girl is Poodle. And they're, they're kind of, they're meant to represent the scariness of technology or the monster is the scariness of technology and Poodle is the, the guide through the maze. So yeah, we worked with a, um, a genius called um, Clive who, who, who I've worked with for lots and lots of years who does all, my, does all my artwork and actually we worked on separate projects with him as well. Nothing to do with WordPress. So he's just one of those genius illustrate. I love illustrators. I just think they're just wonderful to watch. And he, he creates all the artwork. And we have a whole bunch of scenes that they appear in. That's awesome. Well. It's absolutely beautiful. It looks so, so he's, cool. He's, he's just, you know, I mean, one of these other projects I've done with him, we actually sell his artwork. So, uh, awesome. yeah, he's just... If you're a, out in podcast land, you'll have to go to foodlepress.com and <laughs> check out that artwork. Yeah, just he's Shout cool. out to the listeners here. We actually had a little comic strip at one point as well. They had oh, a little, I know it. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Um, since well, one question that also I had was you were kind of like an early adopter of Gutenberg, like yeah. as far as somebody that like created a plugin that was specifically for Gutenberg and not yeah. just adding some like nice little Gutenberg components because, you know, why not? Um, yeah. Like you really like leaned into that. But Gutenberg has changed a lot from yeah. when it was first launched to yeah. where it is now. What is it like being on the plugin side and trying to kind of stay on top of this ever-evolving new way of thinking about how to build a page out in WordPress. Yeah, there's some complexity to that. So it was really, really painful to start with, both financially and technically. So, um, and also uh, mentally. So I got actually blamed in some earlier reviews for building Gutenberg from people that really, because people are really vitriolic about, really vitriolic about Gutenberg. So they were blaming me. They were they were reviewing. It's all your fault, Jamie. We know. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were reviewing our Caxton plugin and, yeah. and blaming me for Gutenberg, which you know, which is not the And we still get. There's still you know, if you go, I actually did a video a couple of weeks ago where I, I went on and reviewed the Gutenberg reviews. It's quite fun. So I go down yeah. the reviews and I look at the reviews and try and because uh, Gutenberg is a plugin as well as being part of Core. For those that don't realise. And I went down the reviews and tried to work out, going through some of the reviews and trying to work out actually what people didn't like about it. And it's very hard because it's it's such an emotive thing. So yeah, I loved I loved that you uh, watched that actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And so the, um, to say that some of the remarks are a bit vague would be a was, yeah. One of them was one of them was send it out and feed it to the sharks, which is which is funny, but it doesn't it doesn't help <laughs> it doesn't help the developers in terms of specifically what don't you like about it. Um, so anyway, how, how did we get here? What was the what's the question? <laughs> the question was just like as Gutenberg yes you evolve like the challenges that come with that. Yeah, yeah. So, and one, one um, being the reviews on your plug and people thinking you're personally <laughs> responsible. Yeah. And also, <laughs> it's all your fault, Jamie. It's all your fault. I mean, building being a building plugins is is uh, is tough anyway because you're constantly getting praise and then you, and then literally the next minute you're getting punched in the face by somebody. And everyone everyone goes through that if you if you've released a commercial plugin. Um, but anyway, going back to yeah, in the early days it was changing fundamentally. So we it was breaking; they were breaking changes. Yeah. So that was really hard. So we'd be we really we have a plugin called Caxton, which was kind of that was our first plugin, and, and it's 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 a free plugin, and that's what Matt Mullenweg was demoing actually at Nashville. The, the, we have one of the blocks in there is a shape divider block, which is still really cool. Um, but you know, we, so we'd have we'd work really hard, and then a release would come out. And it would just break our plugin. And the documentation wasn't very good at the time with Gutenberg. And the sort of communication wasn't very good. So that was really hard. It's also complex because Gutenberg is part of core, but it's also a plugin. So we're kind of having to support multiple versions of Gutenberg. So as a plugin de- development, uh, it's you've got quite a lot of technical ho- overhead just to just to support that stuff. But it's much more stable now. So we haven't had any breaking changes for all probably a year i think so we're, we're in a much much better place uh, so would you would you say would you think would you remark that it probably on reflection they would have been better off just having it as a plugin and not having it in core for oh God. well that's a big question no i mean i, I <laughs> that's a huge question i think if you did that it would never get into core it would right. never get that because you just look at the reviews you know they're, they're largely, 
I mean, I think the way that was a big question. The way it was introduced to the community definitely could have been could have been better. Well, I'm known for my slight large questions, Joe. <laughs> and you know, but I think fundamentally, it's such a big change that unless you kind of have that leadership, yeah. it would never have happened. It yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. So, um, you know, and in my view, it needed to happen. Um, but I can certainly understand why people are really cross about it. But, you know, you come on one of my beginners courses, with now we're teaching Gutenberg, and the, the sites people are able to produce after one day yeah. is a mile away from what they were yeah. producing two years ago. And a beginners, I've never had anyone on a beginners course that doesn't love it. I mean, genuinely, actually, I may have had one person, but, I've, you know, generally, generally beginners absolutely love it and can't understand why anyone wouldn't love it. Well, I think when when all when it, all the initial kind of how to, how to call it, um, I'm trying to find the right words to describe the initial reaction to Gutenberg and the process that led to it. Um, controvert controversial, I don't know. Um, I think it, it was really it kind of triggered off a secondary. Uh, discussion and argument and about how WordPress should be run, um, which had really nothing really to do with Gutenberg, really. But Gutenberg was the kind of trigger that launched uh, um, something that had been growing and simmering in the background for quite a bit of time. And then the two got fused together. So I think Gutenberg was attacked because it unfairly, to some extent, because it was seen as a way of attacking the leadership style and the way that WordPress is generally organised. Would you agree with that, Jamie? I would would agree with that. Yeah, Gutenberg was the poster boy of the point of... uh, the, the the boil that was lanced by that, and if you if you if you go if you go and watch any of the questions after the state of the words, you know it got quite it got quite heated after each of those. So absolutely, it was it was a festering a festering thing that was going on before Gutenberg, but it it certainly um, heightened it for sure. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that animated the whole environment for Gutenberg and. Um, I think you can see that in a lot of the remarks yeah. <laughs> left. I think they were more about the process that led to Gutenberg than Gutenberg well, itself. I, it just wasn't transparent, the process. And, and the thing with the WordPress roadmap, and you can sort of understand it, it seems like it's hard to decipher how that roadmap gets from the outside. It's hard to decipher how that roadmap gets sort of signed and sealed, really. It does. Um, hopefully you can stay on for some bonus content, can you, Jamie, for about 10, 12 minutes? Sure, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, we're going to end the podcast part of the show now, folks. Um, before we do that, I, w- I just want to tell you that I'm doing a free webinar with um, Adrian um, of Groundhog on the 6th, next Tuesday, the 6th of October at 9 a.m., it's going to be a feast about 
marketing optimization, um, how you can use Groundhog to achieve that. So if you're interested in maybe getting your clients or yourself to move away from these exp really expensive SaaS platforms onto Groundhog, this is the webinar for you. Um, basically, it's going to be on the, say, the 6th of October at 9am Pacific Standard Time. How do you sign up? You just go to the WP Tonic website and in the main navigation on the far right, there's a button that says free webinar. You click it and you just sign up. You'll be able to join us and you'll be able to ask questions of Jamie, um, not Jamie, Adrian, sorry, folks. Um, and it should be a feast of marketing automation. Please join us. So we're going to end the show now. So, Jamie, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, you can go to our website, which is uh, poodlepress.com. So that's P-O-O-T-L-E press.com, all one word. You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, Poodle Press. Um, that's it, really. All right, that's great. And Stephen, how can people find out more about you and your company? Head over to zipfish.io, run our speed tests, and we can show you how we can make your site faster. That's great. Um, I've sent him some clients, actually, or one, I think, so far. Uh, um, um, if you want to support the show, one of the best ways is to go over to the WP Tonic YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel. Um, all the latest in interviews are published there first, plus our roundtable show, plus any training videos I'm doing are always published on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. So do us a favour and go over there and sign up for that. And um, we'll see you next week with either a great discussion between me and Steve or a great guest like Jamie. And remember, um, you'll be able to watch the bonus content of me and Stephen and Jamie on the YouTube channel um, at the end of this week. Um, we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 